told people, Shanji, that I was talking to you and I put this picture up. You know, sometimes I'll get some questions from people, but like I was just inundated and people were curious about so many things. Uh, some of them related around gender. So let's start with gender because okay. this is we've had like International Women's Day and this is International Women's Month. And mm -hmm. So let, let's start with that. We read a lot about gender inequality in Korea, like the data's there, the glass ceilings, the OECDs and everything else that comes. I guess in real life, when did you first notice it? When did it become apparent to you? When did you realize what, that like, ah, oh, there's something going on here, that there's some differences? And just to help you with this, like there was one time, I, I believe it was Holal, might have been Chusok, but we were giving money to, to the kids mm -hmm. and there was this conversation going. This was a long time ago. There was a conversation going on, yeah, we've got to give more to the boy. And I was like, no, let's give them the same amount because, you know, there's only like one year between them. And so I could see little elements of it and mm -hmm. people weren't doing, that wasn't coming out of a bad place. But as you were growing up, where did you, or when did you first notice it? How did you see it manifesting this thing? For me, I noticed it like as soon as I can like remember things around me because yeah. my parents are both from Basan. It's mm. an area below Busan and it's a very, very conservative place. Mm. And my grandmother from my dad's side, she preferred men over women. So I remember and we would visit grandma a lot mm. and I would always hear my grandma saying, oh, you should give everything to your brother. Like, if my brother's thirsty, I should get him a glass of water. Older, younger brother? Older brother. Older brother, okay. And um, back home in my house, mm. my parents were always completely fair. Mm. So, and I'm very thankful for that. So we all would always have the same amount of everything. Back then, it was like when computers were new. Mm. So we wanted to each have like 30 minutes of playing games, right? Yeah, yeah. And when we would visit grandma's house, that was never an option for me. My brother would play like games endlessly and I would never be allowed to do so. Mm. So I think the main treatment I got from my grandma mm. was when I just realized um, I'm getting discriminated because of my gender. Mm. I guess I'm thankful because my parents were never like that, but sure. my mom would tell me so many stories of my grandma just treating her really badly because of the gender differences and I used to remember that she was so glad that she had my brother mm. because my grandma told my mom that you you have to keep having babies till you get a son like you can't stop so she was glad that she had my brother mm. in that sense even though she herself didn't really care if it was a son or a daughter does that affect your relationship with your grandmother I mean, relationships with grandmothers are always a thing, but like, did, did that make you be like, oh, come on, grandmother? Or <laughs> That's quite a personal question, but do you know what I mean? Did it that... is, um, and I'm very open about it, actually, and yeah. I'm sorry to my dad, but I, I really don't like her. Mm. And um, she passed away, so I don't know if I'm like disrespecting the dead or whatnot, but no, I did not enjoy my times over there. Um, and... I felt like it was really unfair, but there's also this like family tradition in Korea, right? Mm. And my parents knew the discrimination. Everyone knew that it was unfair, mm. but they always say, well, she's your grandma and she doesn't have much left. <laughs> like she doesn't have much time left. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. Just, just endure it. But mm. for me, like back then I was like, 
it's still unfair and I don't think you having much time left is a justification mm. but it's family tradition anyway and it's years and years of family tradition and culture that even if I scream and fight it's not really going to change mm. so I guess I just tried to avoid the interaction as much as possible but that was just it do you think this is quite a heavy start I wasn't expecting <laughs> this but yeah it's br- brilliant do you think those attitudes were quite widespread because this was you said in your house maybe if you're in Seoul or wherever you were that things were quite equal between you and your brother and your parents did that but in your grandmother's house like that d- differentiating between the boys and the girls that you experienced in Masan do you think that was just an isolated incident was that quite prevalent do you think i know you can't see in every house in korea but did you get a sense that it was there beyond that house i think it's very prevalent in like the gyeongsangdo area mm-hmm. to be honest but a lot of my friends are from seoul and when i ask about their family drama mm. it's not really related to gender issues it's always like financial issues but mm. for us and a lot of the families in gyeongsangdo i would say it's a pretty like prevalent thing mm. but i'm like it got better as time passes by but mm. when i was a child and especially during my parents generation it was quite prevalent mm. and i felt like it wouldn't change that much do you think that it's geographic like the reason for that discrimination is it geographic is it like yugyo sasa is it confucianism is it Christian is it is it just that they're old and they come from a different time is there a a source of that idea Well Gyeongsangdo is also very popular for their like conservatism and yeah. you can always see it in the elections mm. and um people who are very far away from Seoul like I've realized that they don't dream of going to Seoul because I have like my cousins there yeah. and I asked her like do you ever want to live in the city because in Masan like there are stuff there now but back then like it was really like mm-hmm. they don't have the subway they don't have like the f- like general franchises that you usually think they would have mm-hmm. but she always said that oh no I'm comfortable where I am like she just doesn't like the fact that there's too many people out there and mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of the people there think like that too so I think because there's not much mobility in there and nothing really changes with the people, mm. the tradition also kind of stays. Yeah, yeah, traditions do take a long time to change. Was there I I really like this question when I heard it because it wasn't one I I I think this came from L, but she said she wanted to ask was there a particular song or a movie or a book like that made you think God damn it like I did inspired you that influenced you that made you want to do something that made you feel like I shouldn't just tempt that or enjoy it or bear it was there kind of like any inspiration or were you just like born that way you were growing up and going no grandmother Um for me my mom was always an inspiration because um she came from a very um poor family and she had two little brothers and she would tell me that she wanted to go study in university and she had so many dreams and she had so much passion but her little brothers didn't really have that but her parents would always say no you we can't afford you to go into university just mm. get a job and get married to someone who's better off than us mm. 
and she fought hard for that. She got a scholarship to go into university, but her parents also said, if you're not going to like a Chinese major, they're also not going to send her. So she Mm. went to a Chinese major. And my mother was very active in chasing her dreams. She also went to demonstrations um, during like the times of um, people fighting for democracy. Yeah. She also like did everything she can to get a job and she actually succeeded in working at a pretty big bank in Korea. And she always had a dream to leave um, Masan. Um, but for social backgrounds and like her environment didn't help her much and mm. she still has a lot of dreams that she was never able to um, fulfill. Mm. So she always told me when I was growing up, I want you to do anything you want to do. I will always support you. And she would tell me like, don't let your gender get in the way. Don't let anyone get in the way of what you want to do. And I think that's what always was in my mind when I wanted to do something. Just, And I feel like me being so free to do whatever I want mm. is also kind of an extension of my mom's dreams. And she would always tell me like, she's really proud of the things that I'm doing because she always envisioned herself like learning a lot of interesting things in university because she sometimes like asked like what, what do you learn in school mm. and I'll tell her she's like oh that's so interesting I would have loved to have that back in my day and um, I do a lot of debate activities yeah. and other extracurricular things and even dance um, she always says uh, like I'm so happy that you get to do everything that you want mm. and I'm proud of myself in the sense that I'm getting to do what I wanted to but yeah. at the same time I feel very happy that my mom is just proud of um, letting me like enjoy what I want yeah. and fulfill her sense of happiness too your mom sounds awesome she she, is. she sounds like a superwoman and, and not just because of what she's achieved but because of what she's inspired in the next generation I think that's really important. Like she, she didn't. She not only did all these things, studying and and, and getting the jobs, but she also inspired you or gave you the freedom to mm-hmm. do those things. And that's a really cool thing because that's how your own existence goes beyond yourself, right? So I've I've heard this story quite a few times actually that people that are that are brave, people that are out there, people that are outspoken like you, doing things their influence sometimes is their mother. And what happens in the generation between the grandmothers and the mothers? So like, we we see a lot of outspoken women in Korea today, feminine, like it's just great. But there must have been something that happened in the previous generation, like your mother's generation, they must have, was it democracy? Was it education? Was it money? Was it just their own personality coming through? I think it has to do with a lot of um, democracy mm. and the social environment back then. Um, she would always tell me about her days in university and how there was police brutality and how her male tungis were always like put into jail for mm. fighting back. And she wanted to be part of the change, but she wasn't allowed to because her parents would stop her from Mm. going there or her parents would always tell her, stay home. But 
I think the most important thing is in our grandparents' age, they didn't have university. They didn't have an environment where they were able to think, oh, I want this or I want to do that. But my mom was in that situation. She wanted to go to like the most normal things, like empties. She wanted to go on trips. She wanted to just go on a hike on the mountain with guys. But their parents were like, oh, you can't do that because you're a woman or you can't do that because of these and these reasons. And... I think this restriction sparked something in her like, and mm. questioned herself, like, why can't I do this? Mm. I also want to be part of the change. And I think that's the major difference between our grandparents' generation and my parents' generation. Mm. Yeah, because if you want democracy, everybody's got to get involved. You can't just leave the women at home or leave the men at home or the old or the young. It requires everyone. So, so what's it like now? Like... You're at you're at university. You're doing all these clubs and things like this, uh, like the dancing. And is it fully open now? Is it like right? Let's go. There's nothing preventing you from doing things. Like the the, the old generation and the grandmother's generation, they're sort of not there anymore. There's democracy in society. So, so where are the restrictions? Where are the things that you're like, ah, oh, damn it, god damn it? Do you see what I mean by that question? Where do you feel them, or how do they come in your real life? I think in modern society, obviously, it's not the blatant discrimination, but it's more like microaggressions. Mm-hmm. It's the judgment. It's the little words and the difference in behavior you see. Um, Can so- you teach me some about some of the Because I don't know, and I grew up in a very different generation and a different country, and I have to like always try to learn what I'm allowed to say, what I'm not allowed to say, because language changes a lot. So just to give me or anybody else some examples, what would be like a microaggression in terms of behavior or attitude or words? Like, what are they? I think the first time that I've experienced a lot of it was when I was doing my internship. Mm -hmm. I did a year worth of internships in two different companies, and both companies um, just treated me really like differently because of us, my gender, but also the fact that I look and act a certain way. Um, but in my first company, <laughs> I used to do like a lot of like making coffee and also like opening doors for like clients. Mm. But there were other workers, like male workers also that are like new to the company, but it was mm. always kind of my job. Um, and in the second company, I was in the sales department and um, they would say things like, oh, the people in sales should be good looking. They should be like nice and act a certain way. And also just a lot of back talk during like Kweshik, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, I would say, I, I don't know if it's like safe to say this like online, but there's just a lot of talk that's very offensive and rude to women Mm. um, in general, but no one finds it a problem. And if you are sensitive to those things and kind of speak out, I think that's the point where people kind of labels you as too sensitive in a sense Mm. or like you can't really take a joke. How does appearance work on this? Because you said like it would be the way you look and things like this. And appearance is pretty big in Korea. Right. So how how does that work? Appearance. It's really funny. um, But besides from gender, like Koreans are very judgmental in a sense, like appearance is very important. And um, 
I don't act or like dress the most like average Korean in a way. Like, I like clothes that might show my shoulders or like midriff, or I love dancing that might seem um, not conventional to people who are in like prestigious universities. Mm. Um, and dance isn't really much of a hobby for people I've seen around me who've spent most of their times on the desks studying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny when I, I always have two clashing images people have of me. So yeah. when I see people in the debate sphere or like academic sphere, they think I'm very smart, intelligent, and I've had multiple um, scholarships in Hanyang too. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. So in those sphere, people think of me as like a really hardworking, smart person. Yeah. But when I see people in like any social spheres when I'm dancing or at like a drinking place mm. they th- and they know that I dance and I hang- like to hang a, lo- a-, a lot with people they think I'm like stupid or like they- I don't really care about my grades that mm. all I do is just drink and party and that kind of plays into my company when I worked at a startup, so the culture there is kind of loose. Mm -hmm. So I can dress however I want. I can act however I want. So I go to the company one day, and it wasn't very revealing. It was just tight on me, kind of. Like, Mm -hmm. my shirt was a bit tight. But I guess some workers kind of thought that because I wasn't dressed in the most, like, calm decent way they Mm. thought I would be lacking intellectually or or I'm a bit too seductive in a sense Mm -hmm. um and I feel like that plays into them treating me as if I'm a bit dumb or um makes it easier for them to make offensive jokes Mm. in a Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. thinking that I wouldn't take offense to that or because I dress like this that I wouldn't hate it or I'd rather welcome it. So I think in that sense, the way you look, the way you dress or the hobbies you partake in kind Mm. of results in people treating you differently or having certain perceptions of you that makes them switch the way they would tell you to do something or just treat you in general. I might be misunderstanding this, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but is it like then for a woman, it's dangerous to be sexy. It might be the wrong word, but it's dangerous to dress in a way that's not like conservative and and clean and straight. I think it depends on what you want in society. Mm. For me, when I work in a company or when I when people see me, I don't want them to see me as stupid. Sure. <laughs> I want right, them right, to right, see right. me as a very um, intelligent, passionate person who mm. can achieve something if. I want to, but when I tell them that I have certain hobbies or when I do some things, they undermine me or they underestimate me, and that opportunities might be taken away from me. Mm. But if I'm in like the dance field or if I'm in a situation where that might come in handy, mm. because those people are also kind of looked to be creative and brave, yeah, then it could also work in favor. So I think it just depends on what you want or how you want people to treat you right because i mean i i notice you kanji because i i'd look at a 
a lecture room full of 50 odd students and we'd be talking about something and your hand would be going up and you'd be like professor I have a goddamn <laughs> opinion about this and and you wouldn't you wouldn't shy away uh, and your your intelligence like exudes from you I think not just your intelligence but your voice your willingness to speak up like and and that's demonstrated as well that's not just me blowing smoke but you know you you've done debates you've met ambassadors you you're doing these things it's fabulous how does that voice like come up like do you realize the importance of speaking up the importance of your voice does it matter how you do it is it important to kind of tailor your message and be a bit soft or do you need to be powerful where did you learn to speak up like that that might be a stupid question but oh no <laughs> um i never really planned to do all these things like mm. debate or like going on to competitions and meeting ambassadors but when i was in debate, fortunately, um, I felt a lot of hardship in terms of I want to prove myself and I want people to see me a certain way, mm. but I can't prove myself to be intelligent or like hardworking if I don't have anything to back me up. And also, I want people to look at me and when I say something, they believe me yeah. or they think I have full credibility because I have studied that. And the best thing that could prove that is when I have evidence, when I've had multiple um, awards in competitions where mm -hmm. I've met amazing people who have contributed something to society. And I think that is what always pushed me to get into all these activities. And I like to see myself as someone who is not really the average person in Korean society because I have a lot of... Um, experiences that most um, Koreans might not be able to have. I also have a lot of hobbies that most people might not have. And I want to be able to show and give representation to society saying there are people who can do this and this and this too. And kind of give more of a diversity in images, I guess, because I feel like, and a lot of Korean people think the same thing, but when we meet someone new, mm. they're not that different from the next Korean person. <laughs> so, people are people. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Korean society because mm. there is a very strict track everyone's going on to because mm. we all ultimately want to get a good job at the end of the day, right? Mm. So the track is very similar to the next Korean to the next Korean. But I wanted to be different from that but I also wanted people to know that you can still be very successful without being on that track yeah and be happy do you ever I, I completely agree with you by the way Hyunti do you ever get doubts do you ever question because Korea is this society where if you fit in right you don't want to be the wanker but if you fit in it's really good you don't want to stand out everyone's got to wear the long padding everybody's got to watch the glory you 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 got to do what everybody else does um do you ever get doubts do you ever question yourself and i ask this because even as a professor like imposter syndrome is real like uh, what am i doing here i'm just nothing and does that ever come into play or have you remained pretty much on the on the straight path thus far i I also have imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, I always do have doubts, but at the end of the day, it's my life. And I know if I am on the same track as everyone else, 
I won't be happy. Mm. Um, I will be very mentally stressed, and I, I I still am to some extent, but I do struggle and have doubts sometimes because to reach success as P- Korean people see success, mm. to get into a good university, to get a good job, which something is. I want to. <laughs> I'm in my senior year of university, and mm. I also want to get a very good paying job, and that is my end goal for now. But I also want to do other things like dance and other like extracurricular activities that I just find interesting. But yeah. all of these takes a lot of time and effort. But getting a job in Korea is also very hard. I'm looking at things right now, but um, you have to prepare like for three different types of interviews you have to write so many essays to get into companies depending on industry depending on what department you're going to and Mm. this takes a lot of time and you also need to get certificates i'm working on my um computer it's computer like certificate that you have to um get but this also takes like two three months to study and to get it done. Do you do that like at a hagwon? Do you do that by yourself? Do you do it at university? I do it alone mm-hmm. through YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it depends. You can go to uh academy, you can do it on your own. But So that's just you deciding I'm gonna get this certificate and you watch YouTube videos for two or three months and then you take the test, you get the certificate and then you write that on your resume. Yes. But uh, everyone gets that certificate. That's basic. <laughs> yeah, so I just feel like I have to get it. I know that I'm not gonna use it. You don't really need it. In in it's the company. Coding or something? What is it programming? What was um, it? It's just how to use Excel and Access. <laughs> really? It's, that's it's, it. Uh, yeah. And there's two parts to the test, theory and also practical. But the theory, it's really useless. It's like how Microsoft was made, like how Windows came to be, what parts to a computer. It's really useless. But there's a lot of useless certificates that people get because everyone else gets it in the job market industry. So you have to spend so much time. I I think you need to spend at least like 50. 60 hours mm. on this subject in the computer test and you also have to get the English certificate and and then from that you need any other extracurricular activities regarding to the job that you're trying mm. to get so you have this main block of things that you have to prepare to get that job but it's really stressful it's really hard to keep you sane while doing that yeah hence I would opt into my hobbies but this also takes a lot of time and effort so I do have doubts in the sense that if I never spent all this time doing the other things, mm. I would have gotten further in mm. and mm. gotten the certificates and more extracurricular activities regarding to get a job. But at the same time, I, at the end of the day, I just know that I'll be depressed if I just go the other way. Mm. So, uh, And you wouldn't be Hyunji. Like, if I didn't play music for all those years and, you know, where would I be now? But then I wouldn't be David. I wouldn't be me right now. I think it's important to remember who you are and what you like because that differentiates you from other people. I've heard on these, like, certificates now that English used to be a a, a real good thing to have, but now that's, like, basic and you need to be Mm -hmm. adding to that with French or Spanish or Mandarin or something. Mm -hmm. Here's, Here's a bit of a pushback for you, though. It's a bit of a tough thing, but... You, you're doing these certificates and you're like, it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Aren't you just like 
prolonging the suffering. Like the next generation is going to have to do it because you're doing it. And if you just sort of went, F that, fuck that, I'm not doing that, then it might stop it. But by you doing it and going through it, then it's making other people do it. You get what I mean. I'm, I'm, I not, do, criticizing, I I'm, not, I'm not criticizing <laughs> you, but like, is there any other desire where you're like, let's, it's a waste of time, let's not do it? Um, you still can't get a job without the certificate, but I think it comes in two folds. The first is because our generation is suffering so much with their certificates, I think mm. we would know that there is less need for these because um, back then, the TOEIC was very important. Right. It's reading and listening, right? Mm. But we have these people with such high scores, but you put them in a business context where you have to speak English and they can't speak at all. <laughs> so they changed to OPIC, which is the speaking test. Yeah. So there are switches and trends. Sure? And I think the same thing will happen with the computer certificate. Just make it into like an easier certificate maybe that is full of Excel that you actually use in a company because mm. Excel is needed that I've realized during my internship. Mm. It's just very separate from what you're learning in the certificate. So I think there will be a shift in that trend. But also, I've heard that right now it's like the peak for getting a job. Like it's the hardest it'll ever be to get a job because the baby boomer is like, it's our generation where mm. there's lack of space in the company, but there's so much people to get a job. Mm. But I've heard like elementary school kids right now, when they become adults, it's going to be very easy to get a job because we lack people. Yeah. So I don't think they need to do all of this stuff to get into a job because there's a lot of space for them anyway. That's mental that you think like that because sometimes my wife gives us, gives me abuse, like our kids got to study more, they've got to study more. And I, I'm thinking in your generation, wife, Hyundung, they you did have to study because it was so competitive to get into those places. But when our kids grow up, the universities are going to be desperate for people. Mm -hmm. Th that's how I'm feeling. And so it might change. It's, it's, it's really interesting to know that your generation is already thinking about like, the people above you have got all, all this, there's going to be nobody and you're the you're the generation that has it hardest. I don't believe our generation believes that we have it the hardest. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and my friends, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we believe that each generation have different hardships. But at the oh. same time, I think for the next generation, me and my friends always think like, will will they be able to survive due to cl climate reasons? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. and because there's going to be so much problems regarding lack of population mm. because these kids now will be have to be competing with. AI, we have to be competing with all this technology, but at the same time competing with so much of the population that's not working, mm, that's mm, more taxes mm. <laughs> and a lot more working on them. So I think all generation would have big blocks of problems that never existed in the past generation. So mm. I guess I think it's fortunate for the future generation that they won't have to struggle with these kind of problems. But at the same time, I think they will have it the hardest in a sense that we are facing a different kind of problem that we have never foreseen or have a clear solution to. Mm. Black Swan events, some people call them. Not the, not the dance movie or the, that movie, <laughs> but th th these unpredictable events, something like COVID. And these kids, they, they grow up like mask natives. We talk about digital natives, people that mm -hmm. grow up and are able to use technology. Young kids these days, they grew up for three years with masks on. So if like the climate does go to hell, they're going to be kind of used to 
to all of these things. I think it's uh, it's weird to see how that's going. Um, I want to ask. There was there was something. AI technology. Have you used Chat GTP? Like, uh, I, I'm just curious. You don't have to reveal all the secrets, but I'm just curious. Like, <laughs> everyone says that university students are just going to get it to do all their exams or write these things. Have you tried it? Is it useful? Like, what's the deal? I've heard about Chat GPT, and I've heard about it so much on、um, social media. And yeah, there are like tricks to using Chat GPT to write your essay、mm. or like write your resume to get jobs. But I've also heard that it gets a lot of things wrong.、Mm -hmm. First of all, and second, I barely take classes in university now because I'm graduating, so I really don't feel the need、okay. to use ChatGPT. And thirdly, I feel like I'm cheating myself. I also want to learn and like、nice, yeah. develop myself, so I don't really trust the AI to、um, write me anything. And <laughs> lastly, I I think. The system is smarter than ChatGPT. It will catch me at one point, and I'm very scared <laughs> of、mm. authorities. So for those reasons, I don't use it for those kind of reasons. But、um, it's funny because on Tuesday I was in class in university, and my friend he was using、um, ChatGPT、mm. to、um, make like、um, plan like travel ideas in Korea because he's an exchange student here.、Mm. He was also in your class, okay, <laughs> Sergio. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah,、right. he was like, plan me like a one week trip to Seoul for cherry blossoms, or plan me like meals、um, for a week. And I found it really interesting. And it seems that sounds、handy. like Sergio, by the way. I can <laughs>、yeah. actually see him doing that.、Yeah. <laughs> so for those reasons, for those things, I feel like it's a very like useful thing to、mm. do. But I. Don't think it's a very good idea how advanced these AIs or like services are getting, and people are using it to just basically do everything for them. Because、mm. I feel like people are people are getting dumber in a sense that we're not reading books. We、uh, need like really fast speed videos because you can't handle thirty minutes of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I. With this trend, I also believe that the education system also needs to catch up with that and make people actually think, than just relying on so much technology around them. You sound like you've got a little bit of boomer in you. I, people I aren't reading books; <laughs> they're, they're, they're watching this short, short appointment and, and things like this. There, there is a little bit of boomer in you, isn't there?、Yeah. That part of your success, maybe, is that what drives you? I think it's mainly because.、Um, I also had a lot of like hardships in my life,、um, and there was a period of time when I was home for a long period of time, and books really kept my sanity. It、um, helped me a lot. It really、um, broadened my perspectives,、mm. and I just love、um, the stories and the lessons and just information. Anything books offers to me and. Um, I want to be able to talk about them with my friends and、mm. with people in general. But、mm. when I ask,、um, or like, have you read this book, or what do you think about this? Like, I don't read books. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> They make me fall asleep.、Mm. So I'm just like,、ah, if only people read more books. Yeah, here's something. You, this is just I. I read. It's one of the things that I do. And sometimes I post the books or I post pictures of books that I'm reading. And because of that. 
Like people contact me and say, David, do you want to review books for us and we'll pay you money and things like that. So it, it, it's good to promote that, even though it might not be very cool or get many likes as, as, as a dance or as a song or something like that. But by letting people know, you become more unique. Do you know what I mean? Because if mm -hmm. they want somebody that's actually going to read books and write about them, and um, then you can become known for that. Were there So do that. Were there any books that stood out? Was there like one or two? Because I have no idea what kind of books you were reading. What was it? I actually read a lot of the books you would also read too because you posted Crying in H Mart. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed mm -hmm. that. I enjoyed that. Um, those kind of books. Um, but the sad, I think the unfortunate thing for me in Korea, and I kind of find it problematic in Korea, is I don't believe there are a lot of good books in Korean. Mm. I feel like the book culture, the reading culture, writing culture is just lacking so much now mm. in modern society. Because if you see like the trending books in Korea, it's always self-help books. Yeah. Or it's like, like development books for like stocks mm -hmm. or like the trend of 2023 mm -hmm. and I don't want to read about those books like and when I was reading so much in high school my teachers would tell me like you should stop reading fiction books it's not going to help you you should start reading non-fiction books to like build your intellect mm. but I feel like this is such a stupid response Agreed. from teachers because just because fiction doesn't hold facts i think there is an essence of truth and how people think mm -hmm. and how people live and mm -hmm. how the world works because at the end people are people no absolutely and and, and you should tell the teachers that uh, fiction tells us more about life than fact you can learn more about the human existence from something like hamlet which is, which is not a true story. There's nothing true in there than you can from somebody's diary. The diary might be 100% true, but you'll learn more about jealousy and love and revenge and power um, and madness from a work of fiction. Another example of that is like George Orwell would write these political essays about the dangers of the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. No one listened to him. He wrote Animal Farm and there's like talking horses and things like that. And everyone went, oh my God, I get it now. That's that's the power of you say more, I think, through fiction. Are you going to write a book one day? Have you got a book in you, Hyunji? I'm more of a person that reads and loves to talk about it more than a writer because yeah. I don't think I'm very great with words. Mm -hmm. So I would rather be a person that gets to find great books and tell people about them. And that's what I find very unfortunate in Korea mm. because I think a lot of people underestimate the power of books mm. and just fictional books in general, really. You, you mentioned Crying in H. I enjoyed that. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily the audience for it, but I enjoyed it. It was it was a really good. It was it was a moving tale. Is there anything else you want people to read books? I, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but Crying in H. Mart is one. Any other books that you've read recently or in the past that you thought that's a good book? Um, for me, I think one of the most memorable books for me was this book called Everything, Everything. Okay. Um, for me, it's also became a movie, but I haven't watched the movie, but it's about this, um, girl, she's like ill, so she has to be home all the time. She's never went outside into the real world to experience mm. like the wonders of the world and whatnot. And... I kind of related to her in a sense because I had 
um, very severe eczema, and I had a skin condition that rendered me to stay home for long periods of time, and I was ill for a while. So, and that book was very interesting because mm. there's this girl who's spending all her time at home, but, um, and she meets this next door neighbor, and they would like communicate outside the windows, and at one point she does leave. Wow. Yeah, and it's really fun seeing her perspective of how she sees the world that we actually take things for granted, right? Mm -hmm. Or how like the feelings like impact her when you've been kept from it for so long. Those kind of things. Um, though that book really like was memorable for me. Um, there are a lot of other books that I really love, um, but. Also, I currently read the book um, The Invisible Life of Adi LaRue. It's a very famous book, actually. I've okay. seen it a lot on book YouTube. <laughs> Booktube. <laughs> yeah, that's your algorithm, is it? You can tell a lot uh, about people, I think, by the algorithm. The Invisible Life of... Adi LaRue. Adi LaRue. I've never heard of it. Um, it's a really interesting concept. Uh -huh. It's this girl that's never remembered by people, so she lives forever but she's never remembered by anyone so she's just kind of like a ghost <laughs> kind of um and she tries so hard to be remembered by people so she mm. chooses to become an inspiration to people so she can't write her name she can't ever say her um name to people nobody remember it but mm. she chose to become an artwork for some people or give ideas to people through music and mm -hmm. that's how she leaves her mark in the world and life is very hard for her because nobody remembers her but she still decides to live because she finds how something new every day in the world something worth seeing because mm -hmm. the world is very fast and changing and even if there are like dark points in her life or the world is not very kind there are always upsides to that and I always take those kind of characters to heart because mm. for me also like Korean society isn't like the easiest to live in mm. but I always think there's still some good memories here there's still some things to look forward to even mm. if it's the most basic things like enjoying a good book or enjoying a hot tea with your friends so yeah i i i like the sound of that and it reminds me i think it might be maya angelo but i'm probably wrong there's this quote that says people will not remember what you say but they'll remember how you made them feel seems to tie in that that you can say all of these kind of things or you worry about what you're going to come across but sometimes it's just your vibe sometimes it's just your your energy or what you bring into situations that people remember and that might be like a muse or a, a song or inspiring people making people feel good and on the flip side i guess making people feel negative they will remember that feeling even if you say nice stuff if your feeling's bad people remember that quite strongly yeah mm -hmm. i i never thought we would talk about books i i'm i'm amazed at that and now i think you make a little bit more sense to me <laughs> it, does it, it makes sense now that you've got these and you've been reading and you've been taking ideas. Sometimes people would honestly say to me, David, where do you get these ideas from? Where do you get that? How do you how do you write a column every week? Where do you come up with these stupid things that we're going to do in these projects? And I'm like, 
I read. It's half the time they're not my ideas. It's just a repackaging of something that I've read, and it goes through my brain and comes out twisted and then into my words. And it kind of becomes new or original, but it, it's it's reading. I think there's something in the act of reading. Yeah. Um. You mentioned that this is your last year at university, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I notice at Hanyang University is just how, it, it, because of where I am in there. Just how international it is. Like, there's you, you walk into a room and there's just people from all different parts of the world. And you've been in in these classes. You're in that department as well, right? It's it, it's pretty international. I guess what I want to ask is, how does the the Korean and the international there start bashing together? Because sometimes you get this idea that people might be coming from Southeast Asia and they expect to see. Motinoppers walking down the street everywhere <laughs> like a K drama, or you get people coming from the Nordic countries like Sweden, and they're like, "Where's the gender inequality here?" It's they come from different places and they have different um, preconceptions and ideas about Korea. When you're when you're seeing international students, people from around the world experiencing Korea, what do you notice about that? How do you see them seeing Korea? I've I have a lot of international friends, mm. um, and I became very close to them. And I've heard um, so many things that they thought about Korea. And um, I think the first thing is they don't really realize that Korea has a different set of culture and rules that they never really thought of. Mm. Because one thing that stood out for me a couple of days ago was that this um, I heard it from an American friend saying like. Korean people are rude in public spaces. I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> and she said, um, when Korean people bump into other people, they don't they they don't say sorry. They right. just they just go. Yeah. But I never really thought of it as rude. I think it's first of all like we're really busy. So by the time I try to say sorry after mm. bumping into someone, they're gone. Mm. So and also if it's like a big mistake where they actually like hurt you or they fell over, mm. like. Obviously, we would take care of you at that point and say sorry profusely. Mm. But if it's if that's not the case, and like we don't really say sorry, and Korean people are not really good with strangers in general, I feel like so sometimes I feel a bit like um, overwhelmed even when someone does say sorry when mm. they hit me because it's an accident. You don't really have to say sorry for me. So I think Korean people all understand this in a sense. So yeah, when yeah. you bump into someone, you don't say sorry. Yeah. But to like people in like the Western world, it seems very rude. Um, and the second part was, um, I think when you say like our major is very international and you have like Korean people like interacting with international students mm. um, I don't think that's the case all over Hanyang to be fair true yeah that's just where I am <laughs> in that part in like international building and yeah and, uh, I'm sure it's very different in the engineering department and yeah. yeah I think most Koreans don't interact with foreigners and I think that's one of the main complaints I've got from um my French friend, mm. she said that um, at first she thought Koreans were very cold because they don't talk to her or they'd be very um, careful with her. Mm. And I told her, oh, they're not, they don't, they're not racist. Like, it's not like they don't like you in a sense, but they're mm. not 
very confident in their English. And Korea is a very, again, judgmental society. And if you're bad at something, you don't do it. So if you're very bad at English, you're kind of shamed, ashamed of your English. So they try not to talk to foreigners as much as possible because they're not comfortable in their English um, and they don't like being in an uncomfortable space. So it's like, don't be offended it's more of themselves not you because you're a foreigner is, is it up to then the foreigners to come communicate in korean do you think there should be more of that it's like hey come on you're here get the language down speak to us in our language this is not this is not idaho or birmingham or something like that i mean it certainly helps if yeah. you speak korean i guess but i think it's important to kind of for both parties to just create a comfortable atmosphere, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because even for foreign students, when they have really close Korean friends, um, Koreans get comfortable after they realize that the other part don't judge them, that they're non-judgmental and they don't care. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you get that across, mm -hmm. then they won't really mind as much. But even with a Korean to Korean speaking, if you feel like they're very judgmental people, we mm. would avoid you. So I think it's very important to get that message across. Then it doesn't really matter if you're speaking English or Korean. Mm. But obviously Korean would be much more better in terms of communication. How is it with age? Like in, in Korean amongst Korean, like with your onnis or dongsangs or chingus, not as much with your French or American friends, but with Korean, how much does age play a, a role in relationships? Is it still something amongst youth? Because there are relationships I have with people where I don't say their name and they I always have to be a little bit careful. That is my Hyungnim. And I, if I, I, I just can't say their name. And I have to sometimes use, I can't use Pamal too much. How is it amongst the youth in Korean? It's obviously Sabasa, but what's your take on it? I think it depends on, like, what sphere you're in, I guess. Okay. If you're in university, if you're in your classes, mm. and your major is known for your sambes and hubas being strict, then yes. But certain majors definitely. have different levels yes. of strictness. Yes. Give us an example of one that's strict and one that's loose, if that's not. I feel revealing. like our major is very loose. Yeah, I would say <laughs> it's so. It's international, so it's yeah. very loose. But this also depends on who's the sambe at that time because um, I remember for my major, it was very strict when I first came in in mm. 2019 because we had some people in like the upper years who are very strict in terms of saying like, the tundamar and like treating you as the elder. What's so, sombe for people that might not know it in your words? Your superior, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have used that word, but it's weird. It's, like, it's just somebody in the year above, but it's superior, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember. What's hube then? Hube, <laughs> for inferior. Me, not inferior. Just someone I have to take care of, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I remember this one time when I first came to university. It's my first time interacting with people who are older than me. Mm. And I remember one somebody was like, oh, you can use panmar. You know, you don't have to use the tundamar. And mm. I was like, okay, and instantly. And everyone was like freezing around me. It's like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should <laughs> still. And I'm it's just, a trick. They try to get it's you. It's a trick. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, then don't say it like that. So I guess there are people that make it strict 
but mm. um, this age in our university, like in our major right now, I've mm. heard it's not strict, but it depends. That must be a weird jump. I've never thought about it because age and sombes and hubes is a real thing. And I think in any country around the world, there's always the older kids and things like that. And there's a the physical size and they're intimidating and puberty and everything that's going on. That's there. But I, I do think there is a little bit of difference in Korea. You have this kind of superior, different language. Um, but I just suddenly thought that you go from being like Kosam, you go from being the high school final and you're like the top of the school. And then you go to university and then you're like the bottom all of a sudden. That must be a very weird transition. Or is it not like that? Because I've never made that transition. Do you know what I mean? You're going from the, the top of the pyramid and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you go there and you've just got sunbays everywhere. I think when you're in high school, the last year of high school is really stressful. So you don't really interact with <laughs> your lower years. Yeah. So I think it brings very marginal impact. Okay, okay. Um, but... Usually when you do go into university, a lot of the kids, um, <laughs> we study up on YouTube. Like, what should we do with some mm. of this? <laughs> mm -hmm. How should we act when you first go into university? But, so it's one of the major worries, I guess, to some sense. Uh, well, you survived it. Um, w while we're talking about sort of international students and people like this, what do you think the world gets wrong about Korea? Is there anything like representations? You might see it in the media. You might see it from... Uh, international classmates, you might see it from you know, foreign professors. or But are there any things that you see that are kind of common but is not a true reflection of Korea, either positively or negatively? Um, I think um, for the most part, I I've heard this from a Nigerian friend, but mm. he thought that a lot of Koreans killed themselves <laughs> and that we were all very depressed. Mm. But... But on one part, when one of the international students that first came to Korea thought everyone was very well off, but later realized a lot of them were stressed. Mm -hmm. So I think these two major images kind of clashes that we were all depressed. And the other part is we kept everything well together because the society is very organized, mm. high tech, and everyone looks great on the exterior. Yeah. But um, I think the best to put Korea is we're just like right in the middle. Like we are well off, I guess. Mm. To some extent, we're very organized. Um, we have our things together, but at the same time, we're all struggling <laughs> to mm. some extent. But you, you don't agree that everyone's super depressed and trying to kill themselves. That's a bit of a no. Um, but I do believe that everyone does get depressed at one point in their life. Mm. Um, but not for like forever, obviously. And check this out. I did this on uh, on the on the radio this morning on Arirang, and the happiest countries in the world. You always see the Nordic countries. You see Finland, uh, Denmark, and Iceland, right? And they're I'll, I'll get the data a little bit wrong, but they're like the one, two, five of the happiest countries in the world, and they're also numbers one, seven, and nine in terms of consumption of antidepressants. So, like, they're the happiest countries in the world, according to this data, but they're also the countries that use the most antidepressants. And it's like, well, are you happy or are you high? Like, which do, do you take the antidepressants first and then you say you're happy? Or how does that work? And that that really made me think about, you know, the the use of medicine and counseling and things like that and how that ties in with happiness. Do you think that's getting better in Korea? Do, do, do you have any just like observations just very briefly on 
on on on mental health and I think um, mental health facilities are like they're getting built a lot ease mm. um, in this era, especially because I've I've seen a new one built in front of my house and it, it looks really nice. Okay. Um. So I think there are a lot of facilities ready and available for you now. Mm. Um. But at the same time, I don't think it's the best in the sense. Um, I've had a lot of friends also to take therapy and they tell me like, I don't think the doctors really care about you. They just try to like prescribe you medicine. Mm -hmm. So I have friends who are like switching from therapist to therapist. So I think Korea is at the start of just building a better mental health culture in a sense. But Mm. I think there's still a lot of um, work to be done. I'm sure it'll get there in the end. Um, Korea generally always does get there. Like no, no matter what's coming up, I have a lot of faith in Korea. Actually, I, when you know what Korea's overcome to get where it is today, like it, it's it's amazing what it's achieved. And of course, there's always going to be trouble and problems to go from what it had to what it is now. Absolutely. Um, but that's just just my take on it. I, I, shall we talk about dance while we're here? Because we haven't talked about dance. <laughs> we need to. We we can't leave it. Um, until the end. And I remember in one of our classes, I think we were discussing K-pop at the time, and I, and I turned to you and asked you, because I'd seen your Insta, and I'd seen you dancing. <laughs> I didn't see any books on there. I saw you dancing, <laughs> right? And uh, I was like, Hyunji, what do you think of, like, who's, who's the best dancer in K-pop? Like, does J-Hope throw down, or does Harry from New Jeans? Like, what's going on? And you, I can't remember exactly what you said. Can you remember what you said? I said, I don't watch any of them because yeah. I don't like K-pop dance. <laughs> yeah. And there's your voice just speaking up. You're like, I don't like K-pop. I don't watch any of them. But you do dance. So what kind of... T- tell us about dance. Un- un- unpack dance for us. Because when people hear the word dance in Korea, they might immediately think of K-pop. But for you, it's very different. So how is it for you? Um. So I do two um, genres and dance. Mm. The first is voguing. It's a type of street dance. And it's called voguing, like the Madonna thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second is dance sports. And those two are very, very different. Voguing is very focused on the younger generation. Mm. And it hasn't been a long time since voguing has started in Korea. So the scene is getting bigger and it's building. And it's really interesting because we there is a lot of conversation going around in that dance scene too because we have this thing called balls when we have competitions with different houses Mm. or teams Mm. in the voguing scene and we also have sessions from people um, who are overseas so there are three big scenes all over the world with voguing Mm. and one's in New York because that's where it kind of started and then we have the European one and then we have the one in Japan, mm. and Japan built the voguing culture faster than Korea, and it's really great there. So we have a lot of sessions with them, and they themselves also have different voguing cultures and different um, variations and takes on how vogue should be because it's like an expression of yourself, expression of your sexuality. And there's a very interesting history to that dance. So Korean people, we weren't very open with those things before, mm, with right. sexuality, with showing who you are and mm. that kind of freedom. So there are a lot of conversation within the dancers on how we should take the Korean folk culture. And um, because dancers 
they don't really speak English, I guess, because they've spent so much time training and dancing. Mm. It's not something mm. that's like innate to them, right? So a lot of my teachers would come and ask me like, oh, what are they saying? And I got to see a glimpse of what the other people, of other dancers are mm. talking about in like other dance scenes. And it's really interesting. Um, Does that make it more authentic in some way? Like these people don't speak English, it's Korean. They don't get the international thing. It's more Korean. Um, but it mainly came from, so it's the Korean dancers who mm. went overseas, mm. or for example, New York, and learned folk from them and then came to Korea to spread it. So it is mainly like the like foreign culture that okay. they brought in. But it's interesting to kind of put in like the Korean aspects sometimes mm. and their works. So... I don't really think that it's Korean in a sense, but I think it's very helpful in making Koreans kind of switch their thoughts of what they thought was the right answer. But oh, we could be different. Like we could try these kind of things. And it's not. street dance, you said, because I would associate Vogue, this is how wrong I am, like Vogue with runways and fashion and because I'm going 1980s Madonna when I'm thinking of these things. But it's street and it's youth. Yes. Um so, like, so you go outside and you start voguing at people? Well, you can do that outside, but um, there are three types of voguing, but you mm -hmm. I do vogue femme. So it's like a subgenre in voguing where you're like um, emphasizing your femininity. And mm. there are five um, parts to voguing. And you learn all of that and you learn history when you first take voguing classes anywhere in um, Korea. Mm. And um, the teachers always tell you it's important to know what you're doing before you actually do it. So to get a sense of what you could be when you're dancing, I guess. Um, and did you find out something about yourself by doing Vogue Femme? Did you get a better idea of your own identity, sexuality or something like that? I never really questioned my sexuality in a sense because I was sure of it. But... Yeah. I, I don't just, just mean sexuality, sorry, but I just mean identity and who you are. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I, <laughs> but yeah, um, voguing is really challenging because what I said when I don't really like K-pop is everything is like set. Like you have this choreography to this music. Mm. You don't really have variations. Mm. Um, and it's like so stuck in your head. Like even if you try to make different like choreographies, it's just, I can't. It just distracts me too much. But with voguing, you have like... It's a four-beat music, and mm -hmm. one choreography is like eight beats, mm -hmm. so, and it's completely up to you. Mm -hmm. But you just have to end it with a dip, <laughs> because that's like a period to your story. You have to end with a dip? Yes. Okay. We always say that's your period to your story, to your sentence. Mm. Um, and then when you get up and you start again, it's a new story. And if you want to end that, you have to do it with a dip again. Mm. And it's completely up to you, so they teach you the basics and after that you have to like create your own do your own thing and I never really found myself to be a creative person and it really just pushed me out there mm. so I think in that sense voguing really challenged me and to be um, confident in myself when I know like minimal amounts because it's like the basics and yeah. just you're kind of pushed out there and everyone just staring at you see how you will do and I just like that challenging aspect of voguing and the freedom that I can do whatever I want. Um, as long as you end with a dip. Yes. So that's why I asked you the wrong question, because you are already writing a book. You're writing 
eight beats and ending with dips. These are your little sort of paragraphs or your expressions, right? So maybe it's not with words, but you're doing it this way. That's that. That's quite cool. You said there was three. There's Vogue Femme. I'm curious. What are the other two? Do you There's know? All the Way. I remember you saying um, Vogue. You're doing like all those like angles and things. Okay, that's, that's the old, old Way. way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm the old one. Yeah, Old Way. <laughs> and then there's a New Way. So. It started with old way and then new ways. You're not doing angles, but you're like twisting your arms and like kind of, I, I can never do that. It's painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it requires a lot of training to do that. But um, new ways, like you're like twisting your like arms and legs and to make it into like different angles. Mm. But old way, new way, folk, femme, all same music, eight beats. It's just the style, I guess. Mm. Um, but old way isn't that popular, nor new way in Korea. It's more focused on folk femme. Um, the other two are still getting there, but I think it's just like the problem of preference. Yeah, Some people sure. just like this genre more than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those three are very much focused on youth. And I think it's also because it's hard to do and it's new. And I first heard about this through Instagram. Okay. So I think the exposure and like the difficulty of the genre just makes it more inclusive for the youth. Where else dance sports very focused on the elderly. How when you say youth, uh, because I see a lot of international students and they come here and even part of the programs like international programs they go and do K-pop dance classes. Mm-hmm. Then we see them do performances at graduation and things like that. And there's so I guess what I want to ask about this Vogue culture is. When you say youth, like what ages are kind of youth and, and how big is it? Is it just like that there's 10 people in Hongdae and that's the Vogue or is it bigger than that? Or what kind of people there and how many people are there? I think the age comes from rises of like teenagers to like 30s. Okay. Um, and it's getting pretty big. Um, there are majors now in university that teaches Vogue. Um, wow. In Korean, is it just 그냥 Vogue? Boging. Boging. Okay, bog. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we ha- in Vogue, when we say, um, we wouldn't say like dance teams, but we say house. So in Korea, there's um, big houses called the House of Love. Mm. Um, and I think the most famous person for um, Vogue would be Love Ran. She's like the mother of Vogue in Korea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love Ran. Mm-hmm. Like, Ari, like she'd be on Instagram or YouTube. You'd be able to find her. Love Ran. Yes. Okay. Um, she actually was in a couple of um, interviews and TV shows now because Voguing. Mm. And she's very interesting and really, really great dancer. <laughs> um, and it's very big actually it's getting so much bigger there's multiple new houses that are getting built in korea and there's also this thing called international houses so the legendary houses that started in new york so they could the father or the mother of that house in like let's say new york Mm. um or like the house of extravaganza then the mother would say oh you could be like the mother of the Korean one. Mm. So we have the legendary houses with Korean mothers in Korea. So it's getting much bigger. It's getting more interconnected with other um, scenes all over the world. So I think Korea is doing a really great job in terms of just spreading out and making Mm -hmm. it bigger. Is it a... 
feminine thing. And I don't mean that as being a bad thing, but there's vogue femme, but there's no vogue homme, or like men. And the, the head of a house is a mother, mm-hmm. right? So it, it is uh, the majority of people doing it women or knights across genders? Or does that apply to it or that's looking at it the wrong way? Um, we say mother and mm. vogue femme because it was first started because of gay people, of the LGBTQ um, mm. people who started the community and they want to explore their sexuality. So because of that, the start was mothers. Mm. Um, and they would... Um, so in the US, the gay people used to be like kicked out. So they would be living on the streets. And then the mothers of the house would adopt them. So mm-hmm. that's how the house came to be. So mm. that's how it started with mothers. And then because you're like exploring your like femininity or like sexuality, that's how Vogue Femme came to be. So there's a lot of historical context on why it's mm. Vogue Femme and why it's mothers, not fathers. But there are also fathers now. Um, and there's a lot of men also in the Vogue scene. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's like any hard conversations around like oh. gender yeah yeah no that's great that's great um when vogue poging when vogue is done well what does it do what does it teach us what does it give the viewer what does it give the performer what's the the value in doing vogue what does it bring to existence or individuals for me, when I see a lot of balls and I see like the most famous dancers um, dancing, um, I'm always surprised how much creativity they have in making those moves or certain sequences. Mm. And also, um, balls are under like certain themes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like white. It could be color themes. Sometimes it could be like the underworld, which was one of the themes that was a ball last year. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of themes and stories behind a lot of balls. And um, dancers create their whole sequences and outfits and their persona fitting to that theme. Mm. And I think it's another aspect I see um, when I read books. It's just a new input, a new... um, interpretation of Mm. what they see this theme as what they see this story as and i'm just amazed how a person can make this up and just create something so new and impactful and at the same time i see how much um emotion they put into it Mm. um through their power through their control and um lastly it's just Imagine how much time they put into this short period mm. of time that they're on the runway. And just amazing. Would some of the things that I've seen on your Insta, would they have been voguing? Yes. So I was looking, that was voguing, those kind of things. Because I, there's, there's some that looks more classical or tango or cha-cha-cha. Uh, that yes. would, I, I probably so, got that all wrong. But the other ones were the voguing ones. Yes, the ones I'm dancing alone yeah. would be voguing. The yeah. ones I'm dancing with a person would be dance sports. Uh, okay, okay. It would be interesting to do like a voguing where you're turning the pages of a book, where you become a book or something like that. You mm. turn the pages of your life and you end with the punctuation. You have to become a question mark, a full stop and stupid ideas like that. <laughs> um, you know, when I was looking at some of your notes, when you said dancing regarding voguing, 
focused on youth, we have balls. I interpreted that completely differently at the time, <laughs> but now it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, now I now I get it. Now that one's on the youth. Do you get do you get grief for doing that? Like because you should be focused on study. Do you get you talked about this in the beginning, but I, I to do what you do and I you do it well, like you dance well. You can't just wake up and suddenly dance like that. That takes hours of practice and dedication. You have to go to studios, have to spend money, and you're doing this instead of studying. I'm not throwing shade on you. I support, <laughs> yes. I support the dancing. But it, does that ever come into conflict? Do you ever get pushback from parents or sombes or, or superiors like this is not a certificate? I think I would have gotten backlash if my results in academia was bad. So you can back it up. You're like, yes. yes. Yeah. So everything for me that I do outside of academia, I always just prepare my result. Uh -huh. So I know I'm going to get a good GPA. Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing all these other things. So you have no reason to restrict me from doing other things. How good is your voguing? Because I, 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 to me, it looks amazing, but I have no standard. So where you, your GPA is, you just said, great, and all of this, <laughs> and I know your scores. How's your voguing? I wouldn't say I'm good. I would say I'm just like a rookie at this stage because voguing is, a, it's still a very um, small genre. Mm. So usually a lot of um dancers enter the sphere um so every time i take classes mm. usually um dancers um they advertise their classes on instagram mm. and i dm them and that's how i sign up to their classes mm. um but every single time i go to a class it's it's always dance majors Okay. So for me, I'm always stressed out because these are actual dancers mm -hmm. and they get everything in one go because they, they're dancing like 10 hours every single day. And I remember I was in two um, video projects that I opted myself into, mm -hmm. but it was really stressful for me um, because the teacher would say that I need more practice, that I'm like 0 0.5, like late to like the speed is like oh, a bit wow. late to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And to me back then, I was like, how slow is 0.5 speed? Like, I don't understand what this mm. person is saying. And I'll be very, very stressed. So in that sense, I would say I'm very bad at it. But I know when, like, an average person sees me, I, I'm not wrecking it. Mm. So that's my goal. How long have you been doing it? I've started in 2020 um, in November. Okay, okay. And um, now I think I'm, like, because I rest in between, mm -hmm. because voguing, dance in general is not really um, helpful for your bones, because you're moving in a direction your body's not really supposed to move. So mm -hmm. dancers have a lot of health problems in terms of it's like arthritis or creaky joints or something. Those kind of things, yeah. Yeah. And if you're practicing too hard, you will get injuries. Mm. So I always take rests in between. So I would say I did like a full year and a year and a half, mm. but I've started since 2020. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm going to go and look at Love Ran and <laughs> all of these different types of votes. It, it, it's genuinely fascinating to me. Um, when you take these classes and you sign up for someone on Insta, are they expensive? Yes. <laughs> okay. 
so, so is, go on. I was because what I want to ask is like, is there a is there a barrier to this to to get into? And because with some hobbies, you just if you want to go play football, you just go outside and you're onto it. Bang, there you go. But with this one, there's kind of a, a financial barrier. Mm-hmm. It depends on the dancer. Mm. So obviously, the more famous they are, they're going to be a bit more expensive. Yeah. Um, especially if you want like a private class from Love Run, then you should be stacked. <laughs> but people can do that. You can get private classes with you Love can, Run. You can. And I knew someone who took private classes for her to get into university for voguing. Oh wow. Yeah. So you can do that, but. For me, even within Vogue, everyone has different styles. Even if you say it's the same Vogue femme, they have the sa- like different styles. Um, and I just look at a lot of the dancers on Instagram and I just choose the dancer that I feel like mm. would suit me the best or mm. I want to learn their techniques. Um, but usually it's very expensive. Um, one class is about two hours, but four times um, it's usually... Uh, Ship Imanon. Hundred and twenty thousand won. To It's like a hundred and fifty dollars just roughly something like that, yeah? Yes. But if you're like really into voguing, you're not just you're not gonna take four classes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. one dancer. You would find like three, four dancers take multiple classes and there's different variations to that. So you can have you can also opt into like the basic class and then listen to the very next class, which mm-hmm. is like a variation class or like um, freestyle class, and that just adds more on to your price. Yeah. So has it gone into the has it gone into the mainstream yet? Like, is anybody on Boys Planet or uh, Show Me the Money or have, has Vogue appeared in the media or is it still underground? Do you ever see it like on on Naver's website or Daum? Is is it there? Or is it only on Insta? And also the other question I want to ask about that is, do you want it to be more well-known? Or it's like, no, stay away from our goddamn stuff. This has got to be pure. It's got to be like this. It shouldn't go mainstream. Um, I'm not against the going mainstream. I think it's great. And Voguing, does, like, it has been on media okay. um, because we had the big um, trend of dancers last year and the year before that with street woman fighter okay yeah street that's man it fighter. yeah 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 and did you watch that i did not watch the street man fighter i watched a street woman fighter can you just tell me something very briefly i know we're going off but i'm curious like as a dancer because i've never asked a dancer what was street woman fighter like did you watch it all the time or it was, it was what was your take on it I watch it all the time. It was amazing. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, I just love watching people dance in general. Mm. Um, it just, for some reason, just dance just really moves me. Mm. And the, the atmosphere that these dancers bring in to whatever music that they're dancing to, it's really interesting for me to see. And I always try to see that. I always think in my head, would I be able to do that? <laughs> so it's really fun to see. And during that um, show for Street Woman Fighter, one of the dancers does voguing. Okay. And um, my friend in high school, um, not really a friend, but acquaintance Mm. that I um, saw in middle school and high school, she became a professional dancer and she's a back dancer for one of the K-pop idols Mm -hmm. and a lot of groups in Korea right now. And she was one of the backup dancers for Street One Fighter and one of their choreographies was Voguing. Oh, wow. So it has 
gone into media and a lot of k-pop dances back then um when i was actually looking at k-pop and the choreography i didn't really like it because i felt like it's not really new like mm-hmm. it's the same um but right now it has the choreography gotten really complicated um and there are a lot of other genres that are mixed in with the music mm-hmm. um so uh vogue voguing moves are also incorporated into k-pop choreography so i think voguing has reached out and give gave influence even to k-pop to some sense can you see yourself backing dancer and street woman fighter or k-pop video one day oh no never no no (laughs) Uh, no. is there like some secret like yes one day i'll do it or because the the reason that this is really interesting to me santi and i promise i will let you uh, respond is that we sometimes imagine if we think of dancing as being very choreographed as following a routine as playing like i playing a series of scales and you and you follow one two three but when you describe voguing it's more like telling a story it's more expressive it's more individual it's it's communicating with other people through the medium of dance which is completely contrary to the the stereotype of dancing which is fascinating to me so do you ever battle that if you ever you know the bigger you get the more you have to do other people's stuff and that's kind of like losing the 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 what makes voguing voguing i guess so you're not going to be in any videos um honestly speaking i don't think i'm like that talented enough to ever be in that i guess spot mm. and i know that i won't have that much time as the professional dancers mm. and i think they could do that job much more better than i can so i don't really dream of it in a sense um but for me i just want to keep my own like small platform and do whatever mm. i want yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. and for me i think um voguing or dancing uh voguing itself is very interesting because when you're like exploring yourself in dance you realize that certain parts of your body or certain parts of your moves just makes you better like emphasizes what i see is my strong point mm-hmm. it and um that's how dancers have their own different styles and for me i think i have a really good curve when i like to my dip and i would do a lot of those kind of techniques or those kind of um sequences mm. and i think that's just some kind of freedom or an essence that i really just love about the dance itself mm. that i can just make sequences and dance that just makes me better that i know i will look the best compared to other people even if they do the same thing mm that's quite nice so it's your it's your curve on your dip because i've seen so many people do and i i'm not one to judge but do bad waves in dance i don't know it became <laughs> this thing and it's like every celebrity is trying to do a wave even young girls like my niece no, no offense you know you're you're amazing but <laughs> it's like everybody wants to do a wave like i don't know if i'm describing it right you know that arch of the back yeah. or something like this and if you can do it well it looks amazing but if you can't do it it just looks like you're having a muscle spasm or something <laughs> like that it's a, i i guess it's cool that you've found something about yourself now you said voguing was based on on youth and street it has the houses has the mothers now the fathers 
there was one that was more old. Ah, uh, dance sports. Dance sports. Yes. Why is it called dance sports though? This this threw me off. Because I would imagine it'd be called. I'm sorry, like ballroom dance or classic or. We have Strictly Come Dancing in the UK. Do you know about Strictly Come Dancing? No. <clears throat> I. This is the thing that my mother would watch, or my grandmother always used to watch it. But Strictly Come Dancing might have different names, but it's been on television for, for decades. But you'll get celebrities with trained dancers, and they have to do a routine each week, and the worst team gets voted off. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you get, you know, soap uh, drama stars, you get athletes, you get old people, but there's always dancing on the television, and it's quite mental putting them together. But here it's called dance sports. Okay, tell us, tell me about dance sports in Korea. <laughs> it's sports because it requires a lot of technique, and mm. when there are a lot of competitions, and just like Olympic sports, there are certain rules and things that you have to follow to, and it's very very strict. Oh, wow. Um, that's why it's not just dance, but dance sports, and it's ballroom dancing. So mm. we have ten genres. We have the modern and we have the Latin one. Mm. And then the Latin one is the cha-cha-cha, jive, um, rumba, mm. um, those genres. And then modern dance would be the tango, waltz, Viennese waltz, foxtrot, and um, quick quick step. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, it's very expensive because it's more open towards the um, older generation because one is very, very expensive. I know some rich people and they do this stuff. I always see it on their Insta and it's like, what? It's, there's a certain type of person that I see that does it. It's incredibly expensive um, because the competitions are in like hotels mm. and to get a dress for um, any of the competitions, mm. it's like 300,000 won, won. Wow, three million won, four million won, like three, four thousand dollars. For one outfit, and wow. it's not like you can wear the same outfit for years and years and years. It's not like you can wear it to university either or something, is it? Exactly. Mm. So um, it's very expensive in that sense. And also, I think um, Korea is still a bit conservative in a sense. So you're still dancing with a man, and you're still dancing with like a different gender. Oh, wow. And when you're in class, you keep rotating partners. So um, in that sense, I think people are also very shy with being that close to the other gender and just dancing with them freely without being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are a lot of barriers when it comes to youth. But I think if you reach to some age, like it doesn't really matter who you're dancing or not. Yeah. And if you're like married or like if you had a lot of interaction with people in society general generally i don't think you mind that much if you're dancing with someone of different gender so and you are going to be more financially stable than the youth so i think for these reasons it's much more focused on the older generation mm. um especially for modern dance it's really old like 60s to 80s mm. um wow because it's not fast, it's very slow. Mm -hmm. And um, it is it is still very hard, but if you're just following the basic steps, it's really easy. Mm. So I think it's a very great hobby for the elderly to have. Yeah. And if you look at like Silver Towns, like a lot of their programs have um, like the modern ballroom dance. 
So So why are you doing that? You like dancing with granddad? <laughs> is is that your kink or something? I don't know, but <laughs> you sorry, let me say it like that. But you you it must be quite brave of you to walk into that environment though. I I can see you in the voguing one. This explain to me why you're in dance sports. Um the first time I heard of dance sports was through a very famous Korean variety show called Wuhan Dozon. Mhm. Yeah. And there was a um project that they're doing to do dance sports and it just seems so fun to me because there's just so many genres mm. and um again I've read many books and I always dreamed of being in like a dress and going to foreign dance and doing mm. the waltz <laughs> and to me it just seemed amazing that we, I can actually do that in modern day but I completely forgot about it because I was busy with my life until last year in around um March mm. um my friend was like hey there is this dance sports club for people only in their 20s mm. and do you want to join and I was like sure and that's how I started doing dance sports and you learn all 10 genres in there um the genres are different every month mm. and um I'm not too uncomfortable with it because everyone's like in their 20s or like really early 30s anyway so mm. I don't mind. I think I would have been uncomfortable if it was like people in their 40s and 50s or like older. Um because if I'm dancing with a grandpa, I feel like I would I don't want to step on that person because I feel like I could actually injure them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if if it's people my age like I'm fine. You, you can take a step like you can take a I'll kick sometimes. Yeah, sure. Fine. sure. I'm sure there are lots of kicks and mistakes and things like that. Do you do any of the like holds in the air or is it like I'm probably getting things wrong but you're meant to do like these these vaults or these holds or do you do that stuff? Yeah, um but it really depends on the male partner because I just need to hold my frame. They're the one that's like got to hold you up. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really take that much effort on my part. Okay. But if my partner's up to it. then <laughs> but it's sure. not a regular occurrence then it yeah it's also very hard to do so yeah. i've got to learn it after like six months of mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. um but definitely would not suggest it to rookies Mm-mm. you can really hurt yourself yeah 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 I, i can see that i'm 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 a little bit conscious about time at the moment yandi <laughs> is there anything that we've missed on dance is there anything that we haven't touched or covered that, just before we move on Um I found dance sports also very interesting because it has to it used to have a very like negative connotation around dance sports because it used to be like a job for like Korean gangsters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we call them like tebbies. <laughs> so So explain how it was a job for Korea. This is very interesting considering some of the people that I know that do this dance sports. <laughs> so explain why that connection with the tebbies for me. So um back when like that long time ago before i was born mm. <laughs> um korean gangsters they don't really have education they can't really get jobs so they opted into becoming semi so like escorts for women mm-hmm. and you kind of rip money off from them mm-hmm. and they would um dance with them or like dancing was one of their ways of like um seducing them mm-hmm. i guess or mm-hmm. being more like um open to the market i guess mm. um and because it's surrounded by 
gangsters they also do a lot of um illegal things and the dance scene itself was also very very underground very mm. dark um so in that sense there was a lot of corruption going around and back then the korean korean mafia i guess they had a lot of power mm. so um it, it was really hard to tackle them down along with all the bad connotations so it was more secluded to them mm, but mm-mm. now like you don't really hear about korean gangsters it's it's kind of gone it's still there but yeah it's very like um reduced and there have been people who opted into dance sports to try to change the negative connotation around it, try to spread it mm. out and that's one of the goals for my dance sports teacher um there is i think we were the first and only um dance sports club that's comprised of only people in their 20s mm-hmm. there's more now but we used to my um club used to be the only one and my dance sports teacher she's doing it for like the lowest lowest possible pricing okay because for her her dreams mm. is to spread this dance to the youth and make it more inclusive That's nice. yes do they um, have houses in dance sports it's probably not houses is it but no. it's just a club do they have names or so our club name is lachata if anyone wants to join <laughs> lachata yes which is um, a combination of latin cha 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 and tango no <laughs> but that kind of works okay go on i don't know how the name came okay, to me yeah, because okay, okay, i yes. came in before yeah, uh, yeah, after yeah. the ch- switch names yeah. um but what was i trying to say <laughs> the, the 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 lady is trying to get youth into it so she does it for the lowest lowest possible price uh, and it's uh trying to change the image from the jebbies who's always thinking of like um gigolos or something like this <laughs> this image yeah, this is this is fascinating to me and just to make this point very quickly is that other people have done much better research on this but during like the 1970s and 1980s there would be these underground dance clubs because dancing just was not a thing it was illegal it mm-hmm. was seen as bourgeoisie it was seen as um decadent and unpatriotic and things like this and so it was it did have this underground vibe to it where it was where it was dangerous that mm-hmm. that whole culture and now it's becoming expensive and it's becoming on television that 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 change of the whole dance scene is fascinating. Yes, um and I think it's due to the efforts like my teachers mm. to make it something that's not ashamed to like something that to be ashamed of and just trying to teach us about it and say um there's just so much like fun in it, so much things you can like learn even within dance itself. Mm. Um and i think that's a very good trend and i want something to be more spread out in korea and for me i want a lot of youth to be learning dance sports too because mm. i also think um in your like middle school high school even to university korea is also kind of very separated within gender because the education yeah. systems are like separated by gender yeah. i myself was in an all girls middle school in high school mm-hmm. so i think this interaction between different genders are also needed and what better way to do it than dance yeah it's fun too so i think it's a very positive thing that's happening around um korea and i wanted to succeed <laughs> 
maybe from this conversation one more person might start dancing and that that will be a good thing i think that would that would be a way forward i yeah that that's fantastic i think because we are on the time limit and i want to get but i really want to get to this question to you which is that and you're probably worried like which question are you going to ask me <laughs> but it was what do you think korea does well like because you've we we spoke a little bit about the hardships and maybe we started there we we could have started somewhere else maybe we should have started with the question what does korea do well but it's very easy to have this image which i think your your nigerian friend said that all koreans are chronically depressed and trying to kill themselves and the gangsters in the dance thing but in your mind are there are there things that korea gets right or are there things that korea is doing not bad relative to other places i think koreans are very organized like in terms of they put um the well-being of our country first before mm. their own individual wishes when it comes to like dire situations i felt this a lot during covid-19 like we all have separate opinions about our government i wouldn't say koreans always love our government we mm. don't mm. um but when it comes to public health when it comes to national security when the government tells you what to do even if you don't like them or not you follow through with it mm-hmm. because it's your country and even if you don't like the government if your country is getting run over then there's no point in having an opinion or not right mm-hmm. so of course there were a lot of regulations that we didn't like during covid-19 whether it be masks or like shops closing at 8 p.m. or you can't go into groups more than 5 we still follow through with it and we will actively scrutinize you if you don't follow through with it yeah. yeah and the trust that we put in our government in those times i think Koreans are really good at it and i think this is needed in terms of situations when prioritization is really really needed mm. and i think that is something that other countries could see as a positive thing and maybe learn from it. Mm. Because there were no lockdowns in Korea. No. It's amazing. Like the <laughs> government was like please don't go to the east coast, don't go to Busan like just and of course people did still travel around the country but unlike the rest of the world and I think there is this stereotype that here people were locked down but they never were. Like in the United Kingdom I believe there were like two or three lockdowns over mm-hmm. separate periods, right? Three lockdowns and people couldn't see their loved ones but in Korea that wasn't that wasn't necessary there's obviously different circumstances but i i i think it's fascinating like i i felt quite lucky to be here in korea during covid because although it wasn't pleasant do you remember like we were not everybody was doing it but you had to come home and wash the delivery food before you took it out the bag yes. and wipe <laughs> the containers and it was it was a mad time but in general it felt pretty safe here and you said this one thing yanji you said that if you don't follow the rules like the people will i can't remember what you said judge you or something like mm-hmm. that Tell me about that because that doesn't come from the the government but it's like you're going to chuck away your recycling and like you could feel everybody yeah. looking at you <laughs> and you've got to do it right because it's not the police will get you it's like everybody's looking at you to do it right you know that feeling right yes. what's yes. that um you've talked about in your class last year about shame society mm. and i think it's very on point um Koreans will judge you if you don't really follow societal rules um that is our, like kind of set in our culture and i think this works in our favor at the same time there are obviously um cons to it mm-hmm. 
But when we talk about like the safety of Korea, no one's going to steal from you. If you lose anything, it will come back to you. I'm never scared of like going outside like past a certain time mm. um, for my safety because I know if someone's going to harm me or someone's doing something that's like not illegal but morally wrong i guess mm, we mm, will yeah. we will come and get you <laughs> yeah. and we will scrutinize you and um internet shaming is hard <laughs> like people can get your personal information like really easily yeah. and shame you everywhere all over the internet and you and that's just you become socially buried um and it's real i guess this happens where you feel restricted towards how you act how you look and all these things mm. that could be the negative sides to it but at the same time i think it's it's good in some sense mm. it's very interesting to hear that you you say you feel safe here mm-hmm. because i i feel safe here, but I, I i'm different from you and everybody has their different experiences but you feel safe in terms of people following the rules. You feel safe in terms of your belongings. You feel safe in terms of walking the street and at night or things like this. I think that's a really underappreciated quality because imagine not feeling safe. That must create so much anxiety. And of course, things do happen and things do get stolen. But it's amazing to be able to just like leave your wallet and your like new phone on the table and just go to a bathroom or a toilet mm-hmm. and just come back and it's just there. Yeah, it's amazing. How do, how does that happen? It, it, that's just like shame. You think it's like everybody. It, it's just. I think it's underappreciated, and I'm not sure if we knew how it happened, we'd be able to make it in other places, wouldn't we? Um, I think generally Korean people really care about other Korean people. <laughs> and it's it's kind of different in a sense of they don't care about you as like like how your day was or like what your hobbies are what your interests are Mm. it's just they care about your well-being as Mm. in you're not sick or you have everything with you Mm. i remember consistently every time like i have my bag open or something just like kind of out in the open Mm. i would have multiple people like come running at me and tell me your bag's open or like Mm. oh let me zip it up for you or if i look sick or anything they'll ask me like oh are you okay Mm. um i know like I don't think I ever will, but if I pass out on the street, I just know someone will come and get me. Mm-hmm. And I think this all comes in a sense that, like the collectivism speaking, it's just we care about other people because you're Korean. Mm. And um, also, like if you don't help someone who's obviously and blatantly in need of help, the other Koreans would also <laughs> judge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just it's just twofold, you know. So I think in that sense, just amazing to be in Korea. Yeah. I feel that here that people will come up to me and they'll say, like, David, you look tired. Like, David, are you okay? Yeah. David, you got fat. And I don't take it the wrong way, but I think they're genuinely like they're looking at you and they're like, something's wrong here, something's not right. Let's go and find out and make sure that person's okay. And I I never take it the wrong way I, mm-hmm. I generally always try to give people the benefit of the doubt and stay positive and you know um but that happens quite a lot here i notice and i i think some people can find it a little disconcerting discomforting it's not the way it's like you mentioned earlier people not saying sorry when they bump into you it's like you're not meant to say that to me but 
it's a reality of living here, I think. People are, they're not up in your business about your hobbies and interests, mm-hmm. but they're up in your business about like how you're going through society and how you're, you're moving through the world in terms of your physical presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, I, I really like this society. I really like what this society is capable of when it's at its best. When it's at its best, it, it does some amazing things. Um, we still have a few minutes before they kick us out of this room. <laughs> so what do people get wrong about youth? Um, just on terms of generation and things like this, because there's a lot said about MZZ and Igong Samgong and things like this. And like so much ink is spilled about talking about them. Is there anything that people get wrong about youth? Is it just old people gaslighting the young? Or is there anything we should understand? I'm not asking you to speak for the whole generation and millions of people, but is there something that you feel that the people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, that they don't understand about youth? I think the main difference I felt, especially in a company setting, was they think the youth is weak Mm. and that we don't endure, like, hardships. But... Again, as I've after mentioned in like the beginning, um, it's a different generation with different problems. Mm. Um, back then, it was a priority to build our economy and your physical health in terms of overworking or your mental health is not a priority because you have to build our country, you have to mm. build our economy. And it was expected for our parents' generation to just go through with it. Um, but when that main problem is um, done and mm. we have reached a very great point in a society where you don't need to prioritize the country's needs first before your own, then when you go into a company setting and you feel this injustice of when you're, you have to do all these stupid chores because you're the youngest mm. or you have to overwork till. 10 p.m., 1 a.m., even mm. worse, 3 a.m., and come back to work the same day at, at 8 a.m., it's not something we needed. Like, we don't have to go through that anymore, and we don't take it. Mm. And again, it's such a hard process to get a job, and after doing all that hard work and being treated like trash at a company, I don't think any of us wants to take that and we don't see a justification for that to be taken so what happens is we quit one or we speak out against it or Mm. we report them and that's when the older generation say we're weak that we don't endure it because they all endured it before i get it that they're it's amazing that they went through with that Mm. it must have been very very hard and I always think how amazing my dad is, is working for so many years in that company context. I would never be able to do it. But mm. at the same time, you shouldn't be expecting us to do that. We have different problems and you should, the older generation should also be helping in making that transition because there are much more important things now than mm. giving up like work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not weakness, it's changing values. It's it's having different criteria and standards. And just because that was the way it was done in the past when there wasn't democracy, when there wasn't modernization, we don't need to do that now when you live in a, a 5G wireless Bluetooth democracy, right? Mm-hmm. And and so what values do the youth have? So work-life balance is one, but like what's the, is there a, 
Is there a motto? Is there a slogan of youth? It's when I was growing up, I always hated the slogan "아프니까 청춘이다." It's like, no, I don't think you should suffer can because you translate it for us if you can. Um, <laughs> you're suffering because you're the youth, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I think this was the most stupidest thing that I've heard in my entire life. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, but if you are suffering, if you are in ill health, and you should, your first priority should be to solve that. Mm. Um, and I feel like this is just a justification the older generation made up, so you just deal with all the hardships that the society is throwing at you. Mm. Um, and this is something that our generation don't believe in and when i talk to all of my friends they don't believe in that <laughs> um they want to enjoy life yeah. and when we talk about korea having um low fertility or when you talk about um koreans just not having much economic development anymore i believe that that all just rests in the idea that we want something else like we want to have fun with her friends i yeah. don't honestly i don't want to be stressed so much right now i wish i could take a year off and just travel around the world and have fun but i need to get a job mm. um and some people are opting into doing that i think they're very brave to do that um but i want korea to become an environment where that is possible stress-free and I think that is something Korea and the older generation needs to understand that the youth is looking for a better environment for the people to live in. And mm. so if the government wants to solve problems with people like moving so much to different companies or we're having low fertility rates, then you should let us have this environment of focusing on ourselves and fulfilling other factors that bring us happiness mm. this is your world Hanji. <laughs> yeah this is this is your time i think it's important that the old people i guess i include myself that in that recognize that there has to be the passing of the torch like you can't have the old people holding power for too long you have to trust the young people and say okay well here you go and i, I have faith in you and i'm <laughs> sure you. you'll do it I, i'm <laughs> sure you will Good luck getting a job. Before we finish, the last question is this. Give me a question for the next guest about Korea. So I don't, you don't know who it will be, but what should I ask the next guest about Korea, Hyunji? Honestly, I didn't really think that we would be talking about books because mm -hmm. that was my main contention because I believe why to like the reading trends i know why it is the way it is mm. but why aren't there f like other like famous writers who wants to change the thing or like what is the specific like book trend in korea and why koreans are not really reading that much books because webtoons yeah it's crazy popular in korea i read it all of my friends read it but no one reads books what, what's, what give me a name of a webtoon that you might be into these days just to give me some reference um, I think the all-time favorite for Koreans and for me too is Tehak Ilgi. Tehak Ilgi. We have the cacao emoticons and everything. We have all the little goodies for that mm. too. It's a pretty big franchise. But um, 
reading is not something far from Korean people seeing that there is a huge um, uh, audience for webtoons and internet um, stories, the really short ones that yeah. are like full of drama and fun, right? It's kind of like K-dramas, but mm. on paper, uh, on internet, I guess. So we have a huge potential audience, but I don't know why there's such a big lack of people moving on to like books, like ones that actually hold some kind of political message or social message or whatever or whatnot instead of self-help books that makes you feel better about yourself because you're depressed <laughs> on how to make money off crypto and lottery and coding exactly. and, uh, and things like this you know my future <laughs> students are going to hate you because i'm going to start making them read more <laughs> i think it was last year where i was like right you've got to read a book you've got to write down the book that you're going to read and you've got to start reading it and report to me by the end of the semester this is an idea i got from someone else but not many students were reading so i scrapped that idea you might have inspired me to reignite my uh, motivation to get students reading more. Oh, they will hate me then. <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> they might like the Vogue in Yanji. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>